Welcome to the Arsaholics podcast. We are going to be talking about the Man United game coming up and we are still buzzing after the Tottenham game just gone. You've got me, Raj, here and Mice. Hello, Mice. You right, mate? You're on mute. It's fantastic. Oh. Can't can't lip read. Bad start. Uh, sorry, mate. I am good. I am good. How are you? Yeah, very good. Very good. Looking forward to talking about this game because, yeah, as much as I'm still buzzing, still buzzing after that Tottenham win. I'm sure you still are. Um, it's a massive, massive game this weekend. Massive game against United. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we've played, I think, the same amount of games. Um, and our seasons have seemed very, very different. It feels like. It feels like, you know, Arsenal have had this um, very positive tra- trajectory right from the start. You know, it's been the same same thing. Even even when we've had, we've dropped points in only three games this season, but every time we've dropped points, we've come back the next game and won. Um, Man United, you know, started the season so poorly. I think they got battered in their first game, didn't they? They got battered against Brentford um, and quietly sort of seemed to have been going about their business and have suddenly crept into a position which is quite scary because they are fourth on the table now um, with 38 points. So look, nine, point, nine points behind Arsenal, which is still quite a lot, but they've won five games in a row. Um, and in fact, I don't know if they've won more than that. It's just that in front of me, I can only see the last five games form, but yeah. it's, I mean, they are the form team, um, you know, fine. You know, we've won, we've won four out of our last um, five. So it's not like we're doing badly either, but, um, but yeah, they, you know, they've, they've, uh, they've won, they've, they've won their last five. At, um, they've got 38 points. They've um, yeah. They've 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 been interesting, I suppose. Like recently, fair enough. Most of their games recently have been against teams who I think are in the bottom six or seven. But they did just beat the team that everyone thinks is, you know, everyone. Well, until at least very recently, if not still, think is going to win the league in Man City. You know, Man City were a goal up at Old Trafford um, and then ended up losing two one. What what have you thought about Man City about Man United um, recently, Mice? Do you do you think that? Do you think that they could contend for the title? I think a big, well, I think a lot of Man United fans are looking at the game on Sunday as, uh, well, the next two games, because they've got Palace uh, tomorrow, I believe, and then us on Sunday. And Mm. I think they're looking at those two games, two tough away games. Um, And, you know, if they can get six points out of those, then, uh, yeah, I mean, of course, like, I don't think you could discount them from potentially... um, Potentially challenge for the t- challenging for the title. Sorry, I mean, it's. I, f- I do feel like, like, like you say, they've kind of very quietly gone about like picking up results. As you say, they are the form team, um, but I, like we've we, what we've done so far this season has been quite literally over like well almost literally over half a season right very very consistent um very very consistent form and consistent results and yeah they beat city on on uh, saturday and that was a fantastic win for them but i mean if you break that game i didn't watch the game to be fair but if you break that game down a little bit um you know there's the offside goal mm. well offside not offside goal yeah arguably what happened you know what happens if that goal does get disallowed um you know, and I think they also played City at a time where you know it's probably probably the best time you could play City at any point in a season. Like you know, when you think about Man City, 
there's never a good time to play them. But if you're ever going to play them, like this season, now would be the time kind of thing. You know, they've, they've not mm. been on it since the World Cup, really. So, yes, like points, uh, you know, wins and points is what kind of does the talking at, at the end of the day. But I also feel like the game on Sunday, get the next couple of games for them, Palace. I mean, they might go and beat Palace, but the game on Sunday really is a test for them. And it's also a... You know, it's a test for Arsenal because, like you say, informed team, Arsenal United is always a huge game. Um, and that's what's going to be really interesting to see how that game pans out. But I think, look, to answer your question, yes, they can challenge for the title because I think United historically and, and really always have been a team that have had fantastic players. Like, you can't, there's never been a United team, even since Sir Alex, where you've kind of gone through their squad and Yes, they have, you know, they've maybe bought some duds and certain certain purchases haven't worked out. But ultimately, they've always spent money. They've always bought some of the best players in the world. And now when you look at the fact that these players are doing really well, you're like, mm. bloody hell, Casemiro, like world-class central midfielder. Rashford, like one of the best attackers in the league at the moment. You know, um, Bruno Fernandes is back on form. You know, I could go through the team and, you know, Fred's yeah, doing a great course. job. Right. Um, and there's players that they can bring off the bench and this is a, this is the other really interesting thing that I was so I went to the game on on um Sunday uh with my cousin John again we were sort of talking about United and he was really 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 worried about United you know he was like they're gonna come good they're you know he was really worried about the game on Sunday as in the United game on Sunday but he was just in general worried about what United are going to do this season and potentially kind of them closing the gap on us and one of the main reasons for that for him feeling that was there's just their squad and their bench and who they can call upon. So in the games where, you know, it's not really going to plan or they need to change it up, they have the options off the bench. They they genuinely have some fantastic... Like when you think like Anthony doesn't play every game or I know Sancho's like, I don't even know if, if he's in the squads at the moment, but, you know, he doesn't really play. Maguire doesn't play. You know, when they get to the kind of business end of the season, when injuries start kicking in and suspensions and everything and, you know, players are tired, they do have really good options. Um so that and he and he 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 sort of thinks that might be a deciding factor in not necessarily why they might overtake us, but why they might come really good come the end of the season or yeah. this next kind of few months. So, yeah, man, I think I don't think you can discount them. And I think you know we keep, you know, it's again like I've said it, we've said it so many times. It's still so early, like in you know it's it's not, but it is because there's so many points left to play for. Um, you know, it's probably like sixty or so points to play for, whatever it is, and uh, that 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 means that. That like things can change dramatically from between now and the end of the season. So I think you have to. I think you have to include Man United in, and I think you have to include. You know, there's probably probably Newcastle and Man, obviously Man City in that conversation as well. Yeah, the scary thing for me about Man United, as much as the things that you've said, is that they've played Man City twice already. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, so if you scan through Man United's fixtures, uh, they don't really have a difficult period like Premier League wise, there's no clumping of difficult fixtures together. There is the odd difficult fixture, but it's not clumped together. So for example, you know, they've got, it's funny because they play Palace away next and then they play us, which is obviously hard away at Arsenal is very hard, but the next game after that, they're at home to Palace. <laughs> so they've actually got Palace twice in three games in the league. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, away at Leeds, they should win that home at Leicester. They should win that home at Brentford. I mean, that, that might be true because Brentford are okay, but you'd still think Man United will win that. You know, then, then they're away at Liverpool. You could say that's tricky, but then the next game they're at home in Southampton. You know, do you know what I mean? So 
and yeah. even then when you go towards the back end of the season right towards the end of the season they actually end the season like quite well their last four games are west ham away wolves at home bournemouth away and fulham at home okay for you know some of those I'm probably not doing justice to some of those teams. Teams like Fulham are actually doing very well in the league. And, you know, a lot can change as well between now and the end of the season. But I think what concerns me is probably it is probably that overall. It doesn't look like on paper that they've got a tough period. Like you say, they have got a squad. I, I, it did dawn on me, you know, the other day you, you made a good point about Anthony. That's so true. Like he doesn't, he doesn't play. I still don't know whether I think he's any good or not. Like he probably seems okay. But like you say, it's a, it's a hundred million Euro player or whatever that he's on the bench. Um, Sancho, like you say, I think, you know, he's not, I think he's got his own fitness and fitness issues, et cetera. So, but you know, he, he'll be around and then they've got some decent young players. Um, but it, you know, what, as a side point, you, you also sort of, I think touched upon something. It's not that this isn't a team that's overachieving. It's a team no. that's probably just achieving what it probably should at the moment. You know, this is, a 1.3 billion pound squad or whatever it is it's 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 doing what it should do um but this uh this weekend's going to be seriously interesting i think mice because it's both teams are buzzing both teams have just beaten their biggest rivals yeah you know both teams probably feel probably both teams probably feel like destiny is is calling you know, in some way, Man United probably feel like, you know what? No one's really talking about us winning the title, but it's not that far off, etc. They're probably thinking that Arsenal are probably thinking that if they play their game, they beat anyone in the world right now. That's probably how how Arsenal feel. And and when Arsenal are at the Emirates, it's you know, it's 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 just brilliant. And I can't see United setting up how Newcastle did. But how mm. how can you see the game shaping up in that respect, Mice? No, I agree. I can't. I can't see them setting up how how Newcastle did for sure. I mean, look when you think about the game that we played uh, when they beat us at Old Trafford, you know, albeit quite a, relatively early on in the season, you know, and we've dissected that game. You know, we were just we played well, but we were just very naive and we got hit on the counter. So I think if you're Arsenal, um, if you're Mikel Arteta, you know, we know you know how devastating United can be on the counter attack. Like they do have some seriously rapid and dangerous players uh, and Rashford's just in unbelievable form. Well, I say unbelievable form. He's, he's doing really, really well at the moment. And obviously, you know, he's just like come back from the world cup and, and he's sort of on fire. Um, and I think that's the thing. That's one of the things that we just need to be really aware of as Man United's threat. I'm not saying they don't have any other threats or, or they're, they're kind of like, they've only got one dimension. I'm not saying that at all, but I think based on the experience we had at Old Trafford, you know, we got hit on the counter a couple of times, like sucker punched almost. And that's what cost us the game. And I think we need to go into this game with a bit more, like a bit more nous and a bit, just being a bit more kind of streetwise and, and aware that that is potentially how United could really hurt us. Mm. Um, I think the other thing that's going to be really interesting to see, like is the midfield battle, because I can't, like I said, I didn't watch the game at uh, the United game, United city game, but I think Casemiro and Fred both started. I could mm -hmm, be wrong mm -hmm. on that. With Ericsson, yeah. With Ericsson. And like, apparently Fred had a really, really good game. And like, I guess if you think about how you're not, like if you think if you're Man United and you come into this game, you're like, right, what, where, you know, what, who do we need to stop? Um, who do we need to stop getting onto the ball? 
uh, away at Arsenal. You'd probably say it's Martin Odegaard. Like, you'd probably say he's the guy that's dictating everything at the moment. Everything's going through him. And you saw it against Spurs. Like, you know, for example, the goal, they just didn't close him down. And, okay, you know, 20, 25-yard shot, sometimes that doesn't go in. But ultimately, there was no one pressure it, pre- pressing him. And I, I can't see United allowing that to happen as much. So I can see them letting us have the ball, you know, letting our defenders have the ball, even letting Thomas Partey have the ball to a certain extent. Like, I'm not sure they'll necessarily press really, really hard on Thomas Partey, and especially as he can beat the press really well. But I think as soon as it gets into, you know, the likes of Erdegaard, maybe even Xhaka, I think you're going to have Fred just doing what he does pretty well, which is just being a really kind of annoying, um, you know, just 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 always there in your face, making tackles, Um uh, and 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 doing that job defensively, and then Casemiro as well, who's obviously been really really good since he joined. Um, so that's going to be really 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 interesting to see. Does do we do we maybe set up not set up slightly differently, but how do we essentially overcome that? You know, mm. I, I, w- I would probably assume that Casemiro and Fred both start again. Um, yeah. Interestingly, I don't know if you know this, but obviously they've got Palace tomorrow, and both Casemiro and Fred are on yellow cards. So if they get boots, either of them. Um, they miss they miss the game against us. So that, oh, do they? Is it not so? Is it, so, okay. I thought it reset. Does it, I thought it reset the next game or the or the game it after? Resets but, on nineteen games, but tomorrow's the nineteenth game, so they have to have played the nineteenth game. Oh, so, wow, yeah. that's interesting. That's, that's interesting. Really interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, clutching at straws a little bit, but you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing if if one or both of those are out. So, yeah, uh, uh, I I think the Palace game in between. It's probably quite an important factor in in, in our yeah. game, right? For yeah. that reason is, I mean, that's a really important reason, but even ignore that for a second. Look, Palace have been pretty crap recently. Um, I say this, you know, I feel Palace are my second team. They're relatively local to me. And, you know, I, I do really like Palace, Patrick Vieira, all the rest of it. So it pains me to say, say the fact that they've been really, really poor. And, you know, I've got friends. My best friend is a, is a Palace fan. And I feel the pain that he goes through. <laughs> Uh, really, yeah. I can, I can, you know, I can really feel it. I think it's, it's, it's a really tough time for 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 a lot of Palace fans. But they weren't bad against Chelsea away. I know Chelsea are random, but Palace weren't bad, and they had decent chances. And Kepa had an had a, had a really good game. So on that basis, maybe there's a little bit of belief. They're at home. Man United have just played C and and they're going to play Arsenal so they are sandwiched away at Palace in, in between. like it it's quite it's, it's quite helpful from an Arsenal perspective isn't it yeah. to have Man United playing that kind of fixture because Man United probably you know right now they're thinking oh we beat Arsenal if we beat Arsenal then you know we we we're closing that gap they've got to beat Palace first don't they yeah no absolutely and you know yeah it's it's i mean we can hope that <clears throat> There's there's a level of fatigue that maybe creeps into our game against them, um, because they've played yeah two like a massive game obviously on Saturday and then they're playing again a few days later, um, and it's an away game as well. I know that maybe doesn't really make a huge difference, but you know every every we just have to like you know um, hold on to every little kind of a uh, bit of hope that we can in terms of just um, those small advantages. But yeah, like you say, they their focus. Like they're going to have one eye on the game against us, right? Um, and they're probably, you know, doing the double over us, beating the team at the top of the league at the moment and also flying, like all of those things must be coming into their head. Um, and yeah, kind of pulling themselves into a title challenge. But ultimately, 
they they have to focus on Palace uh, tomorrow night. So that presents a interesting challenge for them. But I, I mean, I don't know what you think about how the game tomorrow is going to go. Like my hope is Palace away is always quite a like Selhurst Park is always like, it's just a tough like it can be a quite it's obviously a very like intimidating atmosphere. I know United have you know been there and done it whatever. But my hope is that the fact that it's, you know, a game on TV, a night game, an evening game under the lights, um, and hopefully Palace are really, really up for it and they generate a good atmosphere, which might mean that it just it's a really tough game for United, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, United are doing are doing yeah, doing really well at the moment. Um, they're doing really well at the moment. They do look strong. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they win that game. But um yeah, man. Like, I think my my main hope from the Palace game is maybe they pick up an injury or two, or something happens, and you know, suspensions, or whatever, and it just kind of you know that that then has a knock on effect into our game, and it gives us maybe a a slight advantage because I do think I do think it's going to be extremely tough on Sunday for us. I think so too, but I think uh, history does play a part in games like this as well. I think I think the Arsenal players have so many memories. So many of those guys on the pitch have got such good memories of playing Man United and winning at home. You know, we've done it a fair amount of times, and we're just very very good at home. I think that it's going to be a really good game. I do agree, and I think it will be tough. But I think we're going to go out and we will play our game. I don't think we're going to do anything. I don't think we're going to set up in any way that says you know, we're going to try and have a plan for for this player or that player. And in 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 the, okay, we obviously will, like they do prepare in, in, in that way. But what, what I mean is we won't sacrifice our plan of how we want to play to try and negate them. I think, you know, we will do what we've been doing every home game this season and going hell for leather. And, and I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I've started feeling more and more, and I felt this after the uh, Tottenham game is, tactics are super important obviously they are and we know that Arteta is incredibly good at them but I think what Arteta has also done is he's taken a lot of players to another level and at the that and, and then if players are playing on a certain level if they are if they are at some point that good it doesn't really matter about the system that they come up against you know so so with Saka at the moment for example you know Jamie Redknapp mentioned this in in you know when he was he was sort of analyzing the game afterwards and you know i don't put a lot of weight in what jamie redknapp says as an analyst but he, he just made a throwaway comment of you know when he's talking about how tottenham set up he goes you know saka's one of the best wingers in the world so you can't do that against him and i was like do you know what that's probably he probably is one of the best wingers in the world now probably i never really thought that i, I i've never considered him yeah. to be one of the best wingers in the world i've thought sort of thought oh he's just super talent who's got a really high ceiling it could be yeah. It probably is. And I think when you're that good, when you're as good as Saka is right now, it doesn't really matter on, on about I think, you know, what fullback you're gonna come up against, you'll probably find solutions. And I think we've got a lot of players who are on that level. So I'm just, you know, as as much as I was feeling pessimistic about Spurs, I'm feeling quite optimistic about this one, I'll be honest, mate. Um I, yeah. I, I do think we're gonna win. I do think we're gonna win. I think the home the home factor is massive as well. Like you say, we've we've done really well against them at home in recent years. Um and you know we've talked about it so many times, like the the yeah, the, the crowd um, <clears throat> just completely gets behind the team and does generate um, a seriously good atmosphere. Um, 
and you know this whole connection you know this new kind of newfound connection between the fans and the players and and the, the, the fans and the club you know it, it, it it's tangible you can feel it when you go to games you can feel it when you go to these big home games for sure so that again that could play a massive massive part you know um so yeah I, to be honest mate like I'm, maybe you're going to just sort of lead into your prediction there but like i i agree i think i actually think we'll win as well like I think that we exactly what you said, like we'll come out hell for leather. Um, we've just got so many threats going forward. It's very, very hard to defend against. Like you can see it now, even if you watch it as a neutral, which we can't do, but even if you do watch it, well, if you watch it, if you listen to a neutral person talk about Arsenal or a pundit talk about Arsenal, um, you know, they, 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 you start naming the threats um, and you start naming the dangerous players or, or you know, there's, there's, and, and we are, we are effective and dangerous through very different, um, different players, basically, um, and so you can't. You know, if you stop Saka, it's Martinelli on the side, other side, and then mm. what? How do you prevent Erdegaard picking up the ball and doing what he does and dictating the play and and making those kind of killer passes? And now he's scoring goals as well. So like, there's there's threats from all over the pitch, and even like you think from set pieces. You know, we we seem to be pretty threatening from set pieces. You know, we seem to win a lot of headers in the box, and aerially we're pretty good. So um, yeah, like. I, yeah, uh, so I mean, I agree. I think, I think the home factor, the fact that it's at the Emirates as well, um, our form at home has been really, really good, and they're just gonna like they're just gonna be on it. Like it's such a massive, massive game. It's mm-hmm. arguably, it's argue. I don't want to say it's bigger than the City game that we've got coming up in a few weeks. It's obviously not like because City's first versus second. If it still is that, come whenever that is, uh, February 14th or 15th, whenever it is. But it feels like it's bigger because if we win, it's almost like, right, the gap between us and United then grows pretty big. Like, it's not insurmountable, but it becomes like what, I don't know what it is Well, now. it'll be, it depends because, you know, obviously if they beat Palace, yeah, then fine. they okay. win. So, so it could be that if they beat Palace and then lose to us, then the gap remains at nine points, but they'll have played nine a point. game more, which, which is yes. quite significant is, you know, Nine, yeah. nine point gap with a game in hand is quite big quite big and that's assuming they beat Palace so you know it, yeah, it feels exactly. like yeah so it does feel like a bit of a you know kind of like how the Spurs game was in a way it was like if we win that then you know it's very difficult for Spurs to catch us now it's not impossible but it's very very I mean I don't think anyone thinks Spurs are going to catch us but you know stranger things have happened in, in football but no, I think it's it, it's kind of similar in that way where I'm not saying United can't catch us if we beat them but it makes it pretty tough like it does put a, yeah. another game ticked off and a, a and a you know a, a pretty chunky gap between both teams um yeah it feels like a real like clash of clash of the titans type type uh, type match and the two informed teams going at it so yeah but i'm looking forward to it but i i yeah i agree i actually think we'll come out on top on this one um so i'm feeling kind of confident do you worry about any of their players in particular rashford's had a brilliant period um recently right uh he's yeah, undeniably, his stats look really good at the moment. He's scoring goals. He's he's involved. He's basically, he seems to be Man United's attacking talisman at the moment, right? Like their their big moments seem to be coming through him. Yeah, uh, I think he's got a decent record against Arsenal as well. Do you have concerns about about him and the way he's playing at the moment? I mean, I've I've always really liked Rashford. Like, I've, I know he had that bad period last season or whenever it was. You know, like maybe a couple of seasons. And he's not. He kind of wasn't at the level that he was when he first like broke onto the scene. And but he's. I mean, I think pace pace is for any attacker or let's say for any defender. Pace is like one of the things that you just don't you don't want to be facing. Um, 
so obviously he he offered like he's a pretty good finisher and he has good good attacking attach, attributes but i think if we can like what i said at the start if we can almost contain the united threat on the counter like i don't look at united and think they build up they 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 score goals through their build up um i haven't watched them that closely the last you know the, the wins that they've had sort of december and, and this month i haven't watched it that closely or paid loads of attention to it but they don't strike me as a team that um build up play and are as progressive as we are if that makes mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and i feel like a lot of their goals are just from like maybe not necessarily counter attacking but just really like dynamic kind of like getting the ball forward yeah. really quickly um yeah. and i think if we can almost try and stop that happening which i think we have the defenders to do yeah. um and i think we have the setup to do then i think it then allows you know yeah the the, the our dangerous players to to cause some damage so yeah, of course. Like you've got to be wary of the threat, and I'm not dismissing it. I'm not saying that you know it's not you know it's not there. We just pretend like you know us were amazing and we don't have anything to worry about. You know, that's not the case. But at the same time, I feel like we're that good at the moment. You know, if we play as well as we've been playing, then that could prove to be what makes the difference come mm. full time. And it's going to be a really interesting midfield battle, isn't it? Because we, let's compare, right? We've gone from playing Tottenham, who were up against us with a two-man midfield where they gave one guy a debut and Hoiberg, in my opinion, is, is you know, is a, is a rubbish player. You've got those two who were against Partey and, and Achaka and, and Odegaard and it was just a, you know, ridic- it was just a ridiculous matchup. But against Man United, who right now, like you could probably argue that area of the pitch is so much stronger for them than it has been in previous seasons. They're just whatever it is, like even if it's not um, just the individual quality, say, for example, Casemiro's obviously got loads of individual quality. But, you know, players like Fred, who've been there kind of for a while before and kind of now kind of in tandem with someone like an Ericsson, for example, for whatever reason, it's working quite well and they're quite robust. And it's arguably, arguably, say, if they start with those three, that'll probably yeah. be the toughest midfield that our midfield will have faced so far this season. So, yeah. you know, I, I imagine that could be quite, that could be quite interesting, but you know what we've seen with Arsenal, like, like you said, like the way that we set up tends to deal quite well, I think with um, dynamic teams, but also the way we recycle possession is the best in, in the league. That's probably what I think for, in my opinion, one of the best aspects of Arsenal's game at the moment is recycling the ball. Like it's just pressure, you know, when it's in the opponent's third, we just seem to somehow keep getting the ball over and over and over again and suffocate teams. And I, I think that it'll be very interesting to see because Ten Hag's obviously an astute guy. He's obviously very perceptive and he will know that I'll be really intrigued to see what back four he names because he's been moving stuff around a little bit, right? Martinez hasn't been starting and Martinez from, I understand that's not injury. That's not coming back from the world cup being a bit knackered anymore. That's just like a tactical thing. He's playing Luke Shaw in central defense, Mm. which is really interesting, right? Like, but it'll be very interesting to see what he does in this game. Does he still go? Does he still go with that? I think that, I think that you're playing a big gamble playing against Arsenal at the moment without center backs who really, really, really know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I, I think that will be that will be very very interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so you what 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 score do you think it's going to be? Uh, I'm going to go with the reverse of the Old Trafford score. So I'm going to go three one. I think we'll concede, but um, I think it might be like we get a couple of goals in succession, one after another, and um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, everything I said before, I think I think we can definitely win the game, three one. 
Uh, I want. I'm was going to go with three one as well. Um, but so I'm actually going to go with three two. I think we'll we'll win three. I think we'll win three two. But I don't think it's going to be one of those games where I think we we'll, we might have nervous moments. Um, and I think it might be a case where like you know we probably go two nil up or, or or you know whatever where like for a period of time it looks like we're comfortable and then I think there'll be a period of the game where it'll be like squeaky bum time. I think it might be one of those kind of games. Um, but I think we'll win. And uh, But I do think Man United are going to beat Palace. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, I think so. Just just because I actually don't, you know, as much as I would really hope Palace can do something, Palace just aren't very good at the moment. And I think United will know that. Um, like you say, because they've got squad depth, I think they may even rotate a little bit and still be okay. Um, so, look, we'll see. I hope Palace proved me wrong. Paddy Vieira, please do us a favour. Yeah. Um, but look, brilliant. Listen, let's talk about transfers, mate. Yes. So we've had a bit of a weird January so far, haven't we? Let's just like, let's just like kind of turn the clock back a little bit. So coming into the January transfer window, Arsenal are top of the league, we're flying. And I think we discussed on this podcast how right now, you know, Arsenal, youngest team in the Premier League, playing amazing football, top of the league we're probably such an attractive prospect to join um, way more attractive than we were maybe a year ago. Um, and we talked about the need for squad depth in specific positions. And it was very clear, very, very clear that Arsenal were really, really keen on signing Mikhailo Mudrik for uh, a figure that kept on seemingly increasing to a point where we were, well, I think we're all very surprised that Arsenal were willing to kind of go near any of those numbers. But what it clearly seemed to suggest was that we really wanted this bloke. Um, he has subsequently ended up at Chelsea. I mean, I don't need to recap the whole story, but, you know, it, it took everyone by surprise a little bit. And Chelsea have offered a package which allegedly was the same amount of money overall as a total package as what Arsenal's was. But the bonuses in the in the incentive based part of the fee um seem to be uh, a little bit more realistic than the the conditions that arsenal were setting so i can only imagine arsenal were saying stuff like well if he wins the ballon d'or we'll give you 10 million and maybe man maybe chelsea were saying okay if we win the premier league we'll give you 10 million like and maybe they just thought that, that was more achievable whatever anyway he's not an arsenal player madrick anymore um you know sorry he's not <laughs> an arsenal anymore he is um he's at chelsea which puts us in a position right now where we haven't signed anyone in january yet hmm. so Let's take a beat. First, just in, instead of going to broader depth and whatever, how do you feel about the Madrid situation now? Are you disappointed? Are you uh, relieved that we didn't spend that much money? What, what, how do you feel? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily relieved because I think we've been after someone, even since the summer, we've been after kind of like a big, I say big money, but, you know, a established well, I don't even think you can call, call Mudrick established necessarily, but basically someone that we knew was going to cost a fair bit of money um, in one of those like wide attacking positions. So I wouldn't say I'm necessarily, um, you know, uh, relieved about it. I think like when the news broke that like there, were, there was obviously talk before that night where Chelsea actually kind of got this deal done. There was talk that Chelsea were interested. Um, then there was talk that they almost kind of stepped aside and were going to, you know, he was, he was he was going to join us or looked like he was going to join us. And then all of a sudden that night, you know, it's like, oh, Chelsea delegates are in wherever it was, Turkey or where, wherever it was, mm. um, you know, getting a deal done and you're getting all the tweets from the usual people. And the first time I saw it, I was just like, like what the hell? 
like what well, where's this come from mm-hmm. um you know pretty much it felt like it was out of the blue and it was a, i was yeah i was i was shocked i was i was shocked and annoyed in some ways because it's like this is what chelsea can do like they have the ability to do this which is like frustrating in a way mm-hmm. because we've obviously put in a lot of work to get that deal done obviously must have everything agreed with the player arteta you know we're not the kind of team that or club that goes around and signs you know a number like we, we don't do what we, we can't afford to do what a lot of other clubs do and we don't do what a lot of the, a lot of other clubs do we're generally pretty selective with our transfers and when we where we spend money and we try to make sure that you know when we spend big money we're we're making the right call basically so it just felt really frustrating because it did feel like it was almost like weeks and weeks of work basically groundwork that we've put in to get the deal done and Chelsea have come in at the last minute and obviously just because financially they can they can do what they they did they were able to um yeah put together a better package which Shakhtar accepted I mean I feel like there's some sort of dodginess going on with that deal like that I don't know like the donation to the yeah. Ukraine whatever it yeah. was like and yeah everything everything about it like it just seems a bit dodgy like how they unveiled him and he's now like like radio silence from him compared to like yeah. the last few weeks. Like it's something's not quite right there. Um, but look, my overall reflection is I kind of have, I, I have a feeling of, I have a little bit of a feeling like it's a bit of a bullet dodged, like, and I don't really have any basis for feeling that because obviously we've just not seen him play and like, let's see how he does for Chelsea and how his Chelsea career turns out or how his career turns out. But look, I'm sure he would have been fantastic for us. But at the same time, I feel like players in his position, whilst they're probably hard to necessarily, they're, they're probably it must be hard to attain and, and get a deal done. I feel like there are potentially there's other options of similar standard, if not better. Now I'm not going to like start naming any names, but you know there are you know at, at, in terms of attacking players, wide attacking players, I don't think it's as difficult to find one of those as it is, say, a Thomas Pai. Um, mm-hmm. at the moment anyway so for me I'm kind of just hoping that the club have you know moved on pretty quickly and have gone to plan B plan C and are looking at what those options are um, and I'm sure they would have identified a list I can't imagine they've just put all their eggs in this no, agreed, basket. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully they're working on something and obviously look names are being linked and uh, you know and, and, and this is when it gets a bit ridiculous because we're probably going to start being linked to everyone yeah um, and I've no idea who it might be if we do get someone in in January. Um, but yeah, I'm just hoping that that's how the club, have, you know, it's it's business at the end of the day and the club just needs to move on and, and, and identify someone else or, or go for the next target. And I'm, I'm pretty much over it now, man. Like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm over that. It would have been lovely if he had come and, you know, potentially let's see what, see what impact he would have had for the rest of the season. Um, you know, young, exciting player. But I feel like there's loads of young, exciting players across Europe that we could potentially go for. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over it now. Were you surprised that we were willing to spend so much money on, on this, that type of player? And so, you know, you, as you mentioned, there's, there's lots of sort of, it's, it's probably easier to find a winger than it is a, a, say, a, a Thomas Partey. But if you look at, say, all of our positions and where we've got, where we've got squad depth, Mudrik is a left winger. Right, it seems like whenever I've seen clips of him playing, he starts on the left, so he's, he's predominantly a left-sided forward. And in that area of the pitch, that's where we've got Martinelli and and Emil Smith Rowe, who are both players that I think Arsenal really, really are banking on. They are big footballers for Arsenal. Um, 
Whereas, you know, there are other areas of the pitch where we don't necessarily have that kind of depth. Did that surprise you? Or, or do you think that maybe, you know, Arteta was planning on perhaps using him in a different way? Maybe, you know, in maybe was planning on trying to convert him into a more of a striker or a right-sided player? Or, you know, do you have any thoughts on that? I, I mean, it's hard to say if we had any other plans for him. Um, mm. Like you say, everything in terms of all of the the clips I saw of him, he seems to be yeah going you know, attacking down that left hand side. Um, but I think, but potentially, like potentially, there was there was a maybe a plan to I don't know if it's converting him to the other side or using him in another in another position. But I think, I think the like if you look at the Man City model, and I think you have to look at the Man City model when you think who our manager is. Like there are there, those players, a lot of those players, maybe Haaland aside, a number of those players can operate in different positions. And yeah. I think that's just like, that's modern football to a certain extent. I think that's um, like, you know, if, you, if, if you're going to pick a team to almost copy uh, in terms of a successful team who've done it for the last kind of six or seven years, whatever, then Man City is the team to do that. And the pet model is, is the model to copy. So quite possibly. Um, but I think also, you know, if you think about hopefully where we're going to be come August or where we're going to come be come next season, that should be Champions League football, right? And that should be, uh, well, it would be a, a hell of a lot more games and a lot more games at a much higher standard. And as a result, you just, you have to have like a stronger squad. So, mm. it, it, you know, it, it, if that's who the club feel like is the player to bring in in that position or as an attacking player, then I'm all for it. You know, that that's fine. Like I've got no kind of, I'm, I'm not one of these fans that's going to be like, Oh, but what's, what's going to happen to Martin? Yeah, yeah. What's going to happen to Smith Rowe? Like, I, I, you know, like you say, if we value the players that we have and they have a future, then like the, let the manager kind of work that out. But you need a, you need a decent, you need a, a, a squad of, you know, ideally two world-class players for every position, but or as yeah. close to that as you can get to to compete in like the bigger competitions and to be trying to maybe win the league next season. So, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I'm I, I'm completely cool with that to be honest. If you look at the wingers that we've now been linked with since um you know since this Madrid deal has fallen through, you've got today Sky Sports were reporting that Musa Diaby from Leverkusen has been sounded out by Arsenal. 23 years old, um, left winger again, uh, predominantly left-sided player. Um, yeah, he's he's one, and Ferran Torres is another one who you know has has had some links. He's obviously at Barcelona, and Barcelona have got their money problems. He's also a left winger, uh, and then on the on the other side of the pitch, a couple of players that we've been linked with again is Rafinha, who you know we, we know Arsenal interested in. Edu even admitted that you know he he tried to go for him so that's not just a rumor he admitted it he's a right predominantly a right side of winger and we've also been linked today with a winger from orlando city called you know facundo i think that's how you pronounce first name facundo torres who um played for orlando played against us in pre-season when we were in america and scored against us um and he's a right-sided winger left-footed right-sided winger um same as rafinha in that way so it you know it feels like the players that we've been linked well, they're wingers, so that that's mm. a start. Yeah. Um, but but they're not isolated to kind of having a career predominantly spent on you know either end. Where it seems like we're interested in both those types of players. Um, out of those players that I've just described, you know, which to you sounds like it could be right, and which perhaps sound to you like um, you know, they're, they're they're they're. Does any of them sound like a player that you'd want at Arsenal? 
So I, I don't know anything about Diaby, in all honesty. It was Diaby, right? <laughs> don't yeah. know his yeah, name. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Torres, I can't remember, like, that game that we played preseason. I, I honestly can't remember it. Um, so, you know, going on, going on what I've actually seen or players I've actually seen, I think Rafinha is the one for me because he was ele- electric for Leeds. Like, he was a really, really exciting player to watch. Um He's one of those players that he's kind of similar to Saka in the sense that he gets the crowd, you know, you get you get some the crowd on, on their feet. Um, and he had output, he had goals, he had assists. Um, and yeah, I think I mean I would love to I would love to see Rafinha in an Arsenal shirt. He he would he would just be a player that would really excite me. Ferran Torres is an interesting one because didn't he play? He played as a striker for City, yeah, didn't he? He did, yeah. And so he that's he can play striker. I don't know where he's been playing for Barcelona or if he's been playing for Barcelona. Um, but then, like, I don't know. I have, I have slight concerns because, like, he was itching to get out of City for whatever. I don't know if it's because Barcelona mm. wanted him or if he was like homesick or there was something, mm. you know. And I'm, I don't know that uh, the motive, his motivations for point. coming back to the Premier League. I'm not sure if that's the, you know, I don't know, I don't know. But um, in terms of, I remember seeing him a few times for City, and he looked like a he looked like a quality player and. You know, we could definitely use. I mean, it's not nece- it's not it's not necessarily a case of we need another striker, but at the same time we do because if something happens to Eddie this season, then mm. you know what do we do? Because let's mm. assume Jesus isn't back till who knows when, April, May. Um, so maybe like a loan deal for Torres might 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 be a bit of a sort of short term solution. Um, but look for me, man. Like if <laughs> the the one obvious one that just sticks out, I don't know if you know who I'm going to say, but like Wilfred Zaha. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Just, we, yeah, okay, yeah. We, we had this conversation a year ago, I think. And I think we went to watch Arsenal play at home on deadline day, I think, or mm. the day before deadline day, something like that, or maybe a couple of days before. And we were like, we didn't sign anyone. And that was, a, we were like, we need to sign someone. We need to sign a couple of players because we're going to lose, you know, what's going to happen with top four. And we didn't sign anyone. And I think a few of us, I definitely thought, Zaha, even though there weren't really any links, it was just, it seemed like an obvious move. And I think I'm kind of hoping that if, if we don't, if it comes to like the last few days of the window and we haven't signed anyone in one, in that, in that, like as an attacker, Mm. I'm just hoping that he's someone that we try and get a deal done for, because there's just so many reasons for it to just, it just, there's so many reasons why it makes sense. Um, and and yeah, I would, just, I would love you know again. I mean, he's an Arsenal fan. I understand. I would love to see him play for Arsenal. I think you know again, he's a, he's a, he's just a player that every time he gets the ball, he just looks looks so dangerous. And he he's got a bit of a point to prove. I feel like after his failed Man United move, um, and the other obvious one is maybe Trossard because I think you know I don't know yep. what's kind of does is it Deserby is that the right name? Is man the manager? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made some comments today saying you know this is what happened. But ultimately, you know, if he sorts his attitude out, he can come back to training and all's good. Um, and, and if he apologizes, so who knows what's going to happen, but you know, it looks like he's trying to force a move out. And again, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm just hopeful that, because it must be really hard to get a like 60, 70, 80 million pound deal done in January. Like it, it, it's like when you're Arsenal, when it's like, we, we're not Chelsea where we could just gazump the team mm, that are going for mm. him. And we're going to have to structure it in a way that works for us and all the rest of it. Um, and I just think if you can't get that sort of deal done in the next couple of weeks, then just have a backup plan where it's like, yeah. you know, the target's attainable. He's n- maybe not that expensive. Yeah. Um, 
but you know he's going to add a level of quality and depth and and backup to the squad, and you, and he, and he could have an impact between now and the end of the season. Because if we, I mean, look, man, everyone's saying it. If we don't sign anyone between now and in this window, like we're gonna, I can't see us not coming getting to the end of the season, and 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 like we're gonna have regret that we did what we we did what we did last January as well. Yeah, totally, totally agree. I mean, just before we get onto that bit more generally on the on the players that you just mentioned, right? So, so Zaha, like, I think. I think the problem is there, like, is I think we, he's 30 years old. So if we do kind of sign him, however cheap that might be, that that's, it's a sunk cost then, right? So we're not going to get, yeah. we're not going to end up getting kind of any money for him for. And I, like, I don't think that's a be all and end all, don't get me wrong. Um, but I do recall David Ornstein reporting a little while ago that Zaha was not going to leave in, in January. And it was kind of almost, a, he had made his mind up that he was going to try and help Palace for the rest of the season and try and go on a free, you know, at the end of the season. Right. Um, and, and, and I imagine actually, let's just say, even if that wasn't the case, Palace are probably looking at it right now and, and are probably a little bit worried about the prospect of relegation. Um, you know, not that, you know, because it, it doesn't, it doesn't take that much for them to get dragged down there properly some of the teams de- there at the moment you, you might not expect to be there by the end of the season West Ham are, West Ham are yeah. joint bottom on points right but you don't I, you know, I think they'll probably end up being safe so I wonder if Palace are a little bit worried about that and as a result getting rid of Zaha you know is probably not the best idea for them um, I, you know I'm not sure how much Arsenal would be Arsenal or anyone would be willing to pay in, in January a, 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 anyway um, but but I do agree that you know at the end of the day he's obviously someone who'd come in and you could probably have impact immediately. He, he knows the league inside out, and you know he probably has a chip on his shoulder from failing at United, and this would be his last big hurrah. Um, Trossard I think is in, in a really interesting one because I think he's a different type of winger as well. Like he, I, you know, I don't from what I have seen about Trossard, he's not a you know, incredibly pacey, gets right to the byline and is kind of, you know, doing tricks and crossing it. I think it feels like someone who kind of comes in centrally a little bit more um, and finds himself in the box quite often. And I do like him. He's clearly like, I think, you know, seems a really talented guy. And um, it sounds like, again, David Ornstein reported, I think today or yesterday, that Spurs had a £12 million kind of verbal bid rejected for him. So I don't know how much Brighton are holding out for. But... Mm. um, but look, I agree that we 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 do need depth. The thing is, if we if we didn't buy any wingers this January, personally, I don't think that's as big a problem as if we don't sign any central midfielders. And like, yeah. I know that we and then we can talk about maybe the fact that we might be targeting a big name in the summer. But I think even if we get a big name in the summer, I think we need another body in central midfield because the drop-off is just too big from what we currently have to, you know, currently start with to, to the bench. Like, I don't think that, you know, we've discussed it before. I don't want to go over it again, but it feels like if Partey is injured, we have to change our system. We can't have, we don't have a replacement to to do the things that he does. Maybe maybe you can't even find someone else out there for a decent price who, who can be backup, but it does feel like the drop-off is massive. But I haven't heard us being linked with any central midfielders this this window because Danilo was one who from um, Palmeiras who is you know kind of talked about before. He's just gone to Nottingham Forest, um, so I don't know. I haven't heard anything. Well, what do you think about that central midfield situation? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you're right. Like it does feel like getting a, an, another attack or getting an attacking player in would would be lovely, but not a necessary not a necessity. Um, and if you assume that Saka and Martinelli stay fit for the rest of the season, then you know that you know that that doesn't become that it's not a priority position. But yeah, I I, I agree. Like, 
Completely. The the drop off when party is out of the team uh, is massive. And I don't. This is the problem, mate. Like, you can't buy a party replacement. Well, you can, but like you say, it's probably a big name. It's probably big money. And I know we're going to come on to that. So then you are looking at another squad option and it shouldn't be that hard to do. So like, I, I just can't imagine like if Danilo was available, which obviously he was because he's, he's gone to Forest, then if that was a player that we wanted, you know, for depth, for, for the future as well, then he's a player that we probably would have gone and got. So I'm not sure what changed on that front, but maybe it's just a case of they are going to go for someone big in the summer um, and they're going to wait until then. And possibly we're just going to go with what we have in central midfield, which is going to be a risk. It's a massive risk. But then, mate, I think you can look at, there's a couple of it. Like, I think the only area that we're really well stacked in is probably at fullback. Mm. Not well stacked, but pretty well stacked, right? Even when you think about centre-back, like the next centre-back to come in, I know we can move players around and, you know, Tommy has to play centre-back and Ben White. Okay, fine. But, you know, a couple left, of left-footed centre-back we don't no we don't yeah. yeah and and you don't really not like I love Rob Holding like I love him but you don't really want Rob Holding starting the drop-off is massive the drop-off yeah. between what we have now in central defence to Rob Holding is the same as the drop-off between Partey to Elneny yeah exactly exactly um, and I think like, I think we've said this before I've said this before we've said this before that um, you can probably cope for a few games without Partey but if it's anything like an extended period of time, then yeah, uh, it's a bit of a what it is a worry. So yeah, I'm, you're right. We're not being linked with anyone. So I think at the moment it's just more hope. Like I'm, we're just hoping, I'm hoping that there's a deal that we're trying to get done, but I can't see it being like, even if we get someone in, it's probably going to be like a, like I'm naming a random or not random name. But I'm naming like a name like Douglas Louise. Like it's like mm-hmm. a mid table type player that, you know, it's a big move for them. Mm. It's not massive money um, and it's like a squad bolster type option as opposed mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. who we're going to come on to, um, like a Declan Rice, because, yeah, I, I can't see us doing that in January, to be honest. Like a Declan Rice, so you say. So let's talk about Declan Rice. Um, that's the the rumour that seems to be kind of spreading over the last couple of days. A lot of the papers have, have kind of gone with that story. In fairness, like a few weeks ago um i think there was sort of similar stuff that was trickling around about you know arsenal might be one of those clubs that are interested in rice and the story that a few papers have run with today is that arsenal really really want rice and there's a couple of um papers who have kind of gone with a suggestion that arsenal front runners for declan rice and that he he does want to come um now it's interesting the timing of this is quite interesting Part of me doesn't know whether this is Arsenal kind of trying to leak this to make Arsenal fans feel better about the fact that we've just missed out on Mudrick. Like there is some kind of longer term plan. I, I don't know. Um, but it does. It did remind me of of something, which was, do you remember back in October when when Ian Wright was on uh, one of these TV shows? I can't remember which one. Do you know what I'm going to say? And, yeah, and yeah. Ian Wright basically said in a comment, he said, yeah, like, he said, "Words the effective. There are players who are waiting to see if Arsenal finish in the top four. Um, to you know, and if they do, then they want to come to Arsenal. Basically, he said words that effect. So they're waiting yeah. to see if Arsenal in the top four. And he wouldn't say who, and he was just you know. But the fact that it's Ian Wright makes me think that it's probably an English player, and it's uh, you know, and I think if you look at all the players that it could then possibly be, and the fact that he did sound quite excited about it." Declan Rice would seem like the most obvious one. Um, and 
it is a bit the narrative that had been going on for a while was that Declan Rice is destined for Chelsea because he's former Chelsea, unfinished business. That's what the narrative was anyway. Mason Mount is his best mate. Chelsea need to do a complete um, overhaul of their central midfield. That That's what it, it sounded like. It was just a kind of, you know, not almost a done deal because you know that Chelsea are going to come up with the money. Like the money's not going to be an issue. They'll, they'll, they'll find it. Yeah. But now everyone's kind of wondering whether that's the case, right? I mean, so what do you think about the story about, firstly, what do you think of Declan Rice? Do you want him to come to Arsenal? And what do you think about the validity of this story? So what do I think of Declan Rice? I think, um, I I I remember me, you and Aaron were in the pub after we lost. I don't know if you remember this. Um, We were in the pub after we lost at home. It might have been a Liverpool game. It was either last season or maybe the season before it must have been last season it was it was a while ago though and we were talking about all sorts hypotheticals and i was like if there's any chance that we can go and get declan rice like even if it costs us 100 million i think he's the i think he's the guy that transformed and this is this is also bearing in mind where party was kind of not the party that we're seeing today Mm. and i was like you know He's the guy. He is the guy. This is probably kind of before Bellingham, re- like obviously been been good for the last couple of years, but he really burst onto the, onto the scene like in the World Cup and stuff. Um, and I and I was I was sure of it. And like I've basically since then, or in the last you know the last couple of years, a couple of years, I've absolutely rated Declan Rice. Like I feel like as a player, he's. I, don't, I was going to start comparing him to like Stephen Gerrard and all of that. I'm not going to do that. But basically, he's. Like for West Ham, he seems to have this quite defensive role. Like he's basically a defensive midfielder and the leader of the team. But if you actually watch him, when he has the opportunity to go forward and when he has the opportunity to play box to box, he's actually really, really good. He's very, very good on the ball. He can score goals. He can dictate play. And... Um, just overall in terms of like how I, I re- yeah, I, I basically do very much rate him as a, as a quality player. And I think there's just, there's so many reasons why signing Declan Rice makes sense. Obviously it'd be a huge amount of money, but like, you know, he's an English guy. He's been touted as potentially a future England captain. I mean, he's a West Ham captain, potentially a future England captain. Like he's that sort of player where he's going to join. He, if he were to join Arsenal, he becomes he naturally, he's like a natural leader. He's just that sort of player. So he he just becomes a leader within the team. Um, he's the right age profile. Like I say, I think that he can play as a defensive midfielder. So he could potentially be an option instead of party or party successor. But I think he can also probably play where Granit Xhaka is playing at the moment in a more advanced role. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's just a lot of reasons why it makes sense. And I, I genuinely, genuinely hope that, yeah, like these links are not, the club leaking anything or you know it's not just agent talk or whatever it might be like i genuinely hope that you know he's either we've spoken to him or you know something like basically we we we're confident that we could potentially like we, we we've done we've done the due diligence that we know that he wants to come to us and now it's just a case of maybe convincing west ham and putting the money down on the table because yeah i think i think mate like he could arguably be a big part of our central midfield for the next like five, six, seven years, like, and I and I don't exaggerate when I really, really do rate him. So, yeah, man, like I, I really hope it's a deal that is is, 
you know, it's not it's not a bullshit deal. Basically, I really hope that it's um, you know we, we're we're genuinely interested in him, and you know, and I think oh, the other thing is as well is when you look across the other teams that he's been linked with previously. So Chelsea's the, like you said, the obvious one, and and you made a very good point. Chelsea need to rebuild rebuild their central midfield, but like who the hell knows who Chelsea like you just don't know with who Chelsea want to buy or who they're planning to buy or do mm-hmm. they even have a plan? Um, you know, and they're spending so much money on like their attackers basically. And they've, they've bought like expensive defenders as well. When you think of like Cucurella and stuff, like, are they, I don't know. Like, I don't know the finances, but can they put the money down that, that sort of money you're talking close to probably a hundred million or 80, 90, a hundred million. Can they even like, I don't want to say afford him, but you know what I mean? Right. Like they're spending mm-hmm, money on mm-hmm. everyone. So that, that's mm-hmm. a concern. And then Chelsea, like if, if what you're saying about the point you made about Ian, Wright. Yeah. Okay. Let's just assume. Let's just okay. Let's just have a bit of fun and say, yeah, he's definitely talking about Declan Rice. Then Chelsea probably. I don't know. Are they going to get in the top four next season for this season? Doesn't look like it at the moment. So, if no Champions League football next season, then does he really want to go to Chelsea? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. If that's what he's holding out for, Liverpool similarly, and Liverpool don't really have that sort of money from what I understand, and they're potentially going to get bought out soon. United have just bought Casemiro. They're going through a, um, you know, they're potentially going to be be bought soon. If he goes to City, like okay, City can obviously pay him well, and and you know that's fine. But is he going to start for City, like ahead of Rodri and Calvin Phillips, and I think Gundogan might be leaving this season. But you know, like he's probably going to become a squad player at City. Does he really want that? He's a London boy, so I just think there's loads of reasons why it makes sense um, for him and for us. So. Yeah, man, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it's not nonsense rumours, and it and if it happens, I'll I will be over the moon with that signing. I'll be over the moon too. I I think I do think it's a bit of a funny one though, right? Like, because okay, what the Mudrick deal has kind of proved to me, and also you know that Chelsea are attracting a number of other players, is that okay? One one money money does talk. Okay, it talks, but two. Um, I think players are willing, you know, with the Premier League and with the fact that you've got so many clubs who are actually very good and powerful, et cetera. I think that if you sell a project, if one of these top clubs sells a project, I'm not sure players mind too much that they're not going to be in the Champions League next year if they're convinced of the fact that they are investing lots of money and they've got the ambitions to kind of kind of get back where they need to be. So in that respect, I'm not sure the fact that Chelsea aren't going to be in the Champions League next season will be like one of the main factors I think behind um, behind Rice's decision. I think that if they sell him the project, then um, that like they did with allegedly Madrid and clearly with some of the other players and Kunku, I imagine, you know, they, they sell this project. The, 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 maybe that's okay. The, the other thing that I think that is in Chelsea's side, if Chelsea were to go for Declan Rice is, it is so obvious, right? They sign him and he basically goes straight in the team. He could probably end up being captain very shortly. I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he's on Chelsea very captain. With, with Arsenal, it was almost like, you know, how how well we're playing at the moment. It's it, it creates a bit of a funny thing, doesn't it? Because I know, like you said before, I don't think it's, I don't like to think as well about the fact that, oh, we've got these players in this position. Like, you know, what do we need this other player for? But, but I think central midfield can be a little bit different in that. It's a bit like central defense in that, in that way. I think, you know, if you get an established pairing, that tends to be the one that you go with. You tend not to like rotate so much if you've got an obvious pairing that's doing well. And because Arsenal are having this season at the moment, if Partey stays fit, 
like the whole season and carries on playing the way that he's doing, then it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because if you're Declan Rice, then you're coming in and you're looking at Arsenal and going, well, I'm probably not going to beat, if, if everyone's fit right now on day one, I'm probably not going to beat Partey out the team in the DM role. So it will be about whether Arsenal think that, you know, maybe, you know, I can get, play the Xhaka role, in which case, um, you know, is that going to happen? I'm not sure. And then, you know, do I wait to transition to, to, you know, to take the reins off Partey and therefore play a more of a like rotational role this season? I would hope actually that the answer to that would be yes, because again, it's a longer term project and you think Arsenal going in a really good direction and he could kind of, like you say, be a big part of the next 10 years. But I do think there's lots of like, you know, there's lots of these kind of pros and cons depending on kind of, you know, which which way you look at it. Your Man United point as an example, right? Casemiro is the same age as Partey. They're both right. 30. So the, Man United could probably argue the same thing and say to him, listen, you be, you'll be, you can be our guy for like God knows how many years. So they could probably have the same argument. Um, I, I, would, I would love him. And I think that there's clearly some smoke there. I think whether he's, you know, whether it's genuine or not, I imagine that he's given some indication that he'd be willing to, you know, come to Arsenal. Yeah. The one thing that I didn't know that i've found out today if sky are actually telling the truth is that um he west ham have a a year extension option i heard this as well yeah so i you know i thought that you know fine like he's got one and a half years otherwise but you know they could extend it to two and a half years two and a half okay right yeah. yeah but i think i think mate like he's been pretty it's not loyal he's obviously not been loyal as such but i think he's been pretty patient with west ham like obviously He's probably wanted to leave, if not last if last summer, if not the summer before that. And I think because, you know, he's kind of come through at West Ham since leaving Chelsea and he's probably got a bit of a like affinity to the club. And he sort of said to them, you know, probably what Harry Kane said a few seasons ago, yeah, I'll give you another year, but then I then I want to go. And I I'm, I mean, look, it feels like West Ham would be absolute arseholes to, to, to activate mm-hmm. that extension because, you know, just just to preserve his value. So I, th- I can see him leaving this summer. It feels like, especially with how badly West Ham are doing, like they don't, you know, if they, at least, at least if they were progressing, then they, then they could say, look, you know, we're in Europe this season, stay another season. Let's see how we do. Let's try and win a trophy, whatever. But they're going backwards, right? They're probably going to change their manager soon. So, you know, I, I, and I think they'll just look to cash in on him um, at his peak value. So yeah, I heard that as well, but I'd be surprised if they, if they activate that. I mean, people. Are, if you're still talking seventy million, also when he's got a year left, that's that's a shitload of money. Um, it, it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, like, like that's. It's one of these things that it's. It's obviously an interesting news story because it's popped up now, but ultimately it doesn't sound like it's going to be anything until the summer anyway, right? So mm. there's going to be a hell of a lot of things for us to talk about before then. But, um, but I think that it would also be if it, if that is a plan if we think that's a deal to be done it would also indicate i think you know the direction of travel where arteta and edu are going where i think they have their strategic targets and they're not going to do anything kind of short term just to um you know just just to panic buy in that way you know i i think therefore if they think that declan rice is the one they want or if they've, they've got an option of him and someone else will say in the summer then i don't necessarily think that they're going to get a plan c or a d in in january um just yeah. because uh, you know they they want to try and win the league. Um, 
but I do hope there's going to be some players, and I think I think we need a we need a central midfielder, and I think it would be nice to have another player who can play a, a, across the top. And for, for anything, just competition and pace, places keep it keep it fresh, and um, you know, just kind of have that extra boost of energy because fixtures are going to come are going to come in um, quickly. A left side of centre back, I think, is also um, uh, important. But yeah, mm. let's see who we get linked with, mate. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Cool. All right, listen. Great chat. I mean, look huge game back to topic one huge game on the weekend and cannot wait sunday i kind of feel i wish it was a saturday because um you know yeah. we can probably get Especially even merrier if we win as well yeah exactly exactly but it is what it is and um yeah let's just I, i'm sure all arsenal fans everywhere are also going to have a big eye on the game tomorrow palace and man united so let's see how that goes patrick Vieira, please do us a favor my 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 my, my legend um it would be so 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 helpful um i think so um yeah M- myers any final words before we close not really man i'm i'm yeah still kind of buzzing off sunday that just just gone and another massive massive game like you say coming up on sunday so i'm looking forward to that it's the first time that the four of us as in including aaron and nero are going will be going to a game together for a while i think i can't remember the yeah, last one. That's true. Yeah. it's been a few months so that's going to be nice um, check out Aaron's tan as well that'll be fun uh, so yeah no looking forward to Sunday man just uh, it's going to be it's going to be massive so yeah let's fingers crossed we get get a good result absolutely listen everyone thank you for joining us please like share subscribe to our podcast um, thank you for the support and keep enjoying Arsenal and really hope that you know the next time we record we're reflecting on a win against man united and and we'll be reflecting on hopefully still being at the very least nine points um a- a- ahead of them um so you know and then um and then hopefully we can take every game as it comes and 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 figure out who's the bigger threat to us city and man united and look hopefully we keep this fight for as long as we can man like you know this title race is 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 genuine it's a thing we're in it we might not do it but we're in it and it's fun so um you know, let's just uh, let's just enjoy it while it lasts. Cool. Nice one, mate. Everyone, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.